Welcome to Ask a Pastor. Uh, thanks for making some time to make this a part of your day, your week. Uh, this is something we've been doing at Orchard Hill for a while just to give you an opportunity to get some perspective from people who've worked in or been around church ministry, the Bible, for some time. And so many of you have sent in questions. Thank you. Uh, we really are encouraged by the questions, the depth of questions. And if you have a question and you send it to Ask a Pastor at Orchard Hill Church, church.com. We'll be happy to interact with that. If you listen via the podcast, uh, we'd love for you just to take a moment and rate the podcast because that helps other people find the podcast. More people can partake in the content. If you're listening on the radio and you hear it and want to hear the rest of it in its entirety or go back and hear former episodes, you can do that by going to the church website and finding Ask a Pastor, going to podcasts, uh, iTunes, finding it. You can find it on Stitcher, all kinds of places as well, and just have an opportunity to interact with that. And today I'm joined by Joanne Adams. Joanne, welcome. Uh, Joanne uh, joined our church staff here in the summer uh, after a long and distinguished career in business. And so in many ways, ministry, church life on this side, at least as being kind of a staff person, is new to Joanne. She's been around church uh, her whole adult life and probably her whole life and, and so has a lot of background but is really uh, coming from, from business. She works with our women's ministry on our Wexford campus as well as, uh, as our life stages, helping people be assimilated, help people be cared for. In, uh, in our different life stages as well. And so, Joanne, today we're going to uh, take a few moments to talk about a few questions. The first question, uh, it was written this way. I was divorced five years ago, and I'm really struggling with being alone. What would you say about dating, sex, and living with somebody? Uh, so somebody's just saying, basically, I'm divorced, I'm alone, I don't love it, so help me think through the dating, sexual relationships, and uh, even the, the, the potentially living with somebody. Yeah, that's, a, that's something I understand because I am divorced. And that is really, uh, being lonely is something that I've had to deal with. But it was in the time of loneliness that I really uh, sought to know more about Christ. Mm. So what I would say is, if you're feeling lonely, just go deeper in the word because mm. you, it, it, there's a, a healing that comes there. Mm. You know, Christ says you are never alone. And so I think that if you're struggling with that, to just, you know, get alone, really be alone and start to deep, dig deeper in Christ. And I think your, my faith at least grew during that time. When it comes to dating, uh, I, I think that um, sometimes because people are lonely, they want to hurry up and get into, you know, being with someone else. But, but my advice would be to um, get to know who you are and who God wants you to be. So I would not at all advise anyone to rush into dating. Um, and sex outside of, of marriage is just a no-brainer for me. So Okay, why is that? I, I mean, if somebody is, is kind of tracking with this and saying, okay, I kind of get that the Bible's against it, but, I mean, come on, I'm, you know, I'm 40, 50, 60, been down this path, is it really going to hurt me that much to, to, to connect with somebody? What, what so would you it is push back on? That is an interesting thought because when I was having some conversations with some of my friends about this very topic, they were like, ah, oh, you've done it before. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that God will be forgiving. Um, and and I, I guess for me that just doesn't track because 
in the scripture, it's very clear that sex outside of marriage, it's like uh, one man, one woman, and it's a marriage relationship. So I think that you could take any advice you want to take from anybody if that's what you choose to do, but I think that if you want to be aligned with the Word of God, it is scripturally that's what we should not do. Okay. Okay, and, uh, and so then you obviously say the same thing about living together. What if somebody oh, yeah. says, uh, we're going to live together, but we're going to have separate rooms, but we just want to share rent, we want to uh, have the companionship, but we're not, we're not actually sleeping together, we're just living together. Yeah, I said, yeah, right. Um, I, I just don't think that that works, especially when you are evol- involved emotionally. I just think that that's a tough thing to uh, separate sex from emotion. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't think that that's something that should be done. Again, if you're divorced and you're lonely, get to know Jesus more mm-hmm. and, and really dig deeper into the word and what it is that um, Christ would have you do during mm-hmm. this time of loneliness. Yeah. And then you might find your way. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I think about this, I think um, one of the challenges in our culture is mm-hmm. that our culture has simultaneously done two things that are opposite that have made this issue even more challenging for many people. And that is we've simultaneously cheapened uh, sexual relationship mm-hmm. romance to just say, I can do this with whoever, whenever, however, right. uh, because I have a need and I need to meet it. Yeah. And we've uh, not just cheapened, but we've overvalued sexual relationship and romance to say, if I don't have somebody, I'm not complete, I'm not whole, therefore I have to have somebody to be fulfilled. Uh, I think loneliness is real. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would say if you're lonely, as this this question implied, acknowledge your loneliness, Mm -hmm. Um, be honest with yourself about it because there's something in saying, I am lonely and and that's okay to to be lonely. Um, But my real answer is not in cheapening um, myself sexually. And, and I think that's really the, the why behind the Bible says, you know, don't, don't get into mm-hmm. sexual relationships because I think somebody who does that, what happens is you might feel better for a short time, but, but then in time, if there isn't the depth of commitment that the Bible talks about, that's a whole life commitment, you actually feel worse because you mm-hmm. feel like, like I just made myself vulnerable and yet this person doesn't want to necessarily commit their whole life to me. They just want me sexually. And you end mm-hmm. up feeling used even if you were fully consensual and participatory in, mm-hmm. in that moment because you say I, there's not that commitment that this was designed to, to, to live in. And so yeah. that's the cheapening side. And then the other side is the overvaluing where we so say, I can't be whole without this. And so we load so much into saying, I have to have somebody love me. I have to have somebody um, mm. romantically involved with me. And usually in our culture, that, that equals living with somebody, sexually being with somebody. And, and so we somehow make ourselves feel like we're less than if mm. we don't. And, and it's interesting uh, mm. juxtaposition of two opposite ways that our culture actually goes after the foundation of of our sexuality rather than, and, and not that they're going after it intentionally, yeah. it's just the messaging. Whereas I think the, the, the Christian 
understanding, mm. the biblical understanding is saying you are a whole person right. who is not dependent on anybody else to be fulfilled or to be happy, romantic or otherwise. Right. You can find it in Jesus. You can find right. it in other relationships. And once that's solid, then you can can enter a relationship with somebody where you're free to give, free to receive, and free to encounter that person in such a way that that you're not loading too much into it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that you said it earlier. You know, how many times do you see somebody get separated, divorced, whatever word it is, and then six months later they're mm-hmm. back with somebody, and and all of a sudden it's like, yeah. wow, that was fast. Um, right. for at least how long you were with that person, did you have any time to, to, to grapple with what it means to, to be alone? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, any other thoughts on that? No, it, it is. It's being alone is, as you said, it's a hard thing, but um, it also can be a really good thing. Mm. Uh, I, I just, I think that I've just found that being alone is a great way to just reflect on who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are so many other opportunities to do things that maybe inside of being with one mm-hmm. person you weren't able to do. Right. And so I, um, but I appreciate what yeah. you said, you're right. Well, here's a, a question. I have been a Christian for a long time and have awful, often struggled with how to speak of my faith in a professional setting where an expression of faith is often scorned. How can I speak out about my faith? And I purposely chose this question uh, when I saw it for your conversation with me here today, because I know you've lived in professional settings for your whole adult life, where sometimes maybe it's not a big deal. And other times people are like, don't bring that in here. Uh, How did you, um, you know, what would you say to somebody, but how did you navigate being a Christian in a place where it said, hey, keep that out of here? Yeah. So it's interesting because I've always gone into work saying, hey, I'm working as unto you, Lord. I'm working Mm -hmm. as unto you. So as a Christian, oftentimes it wasn't that I had to always speak it, but I had to act it. Mm. I had to make sure that I was acting with integrity, that I was treating people in a way that was Christ-like. Um, and there were times um, that I was in conversations with people that I could tell that they were like-minded, and then I would have some conversations around it. But I never had an um, instance where I felt like, ooh, I'm not carrying out my faith. I'm not mm-hmm. doing what Christ would have me to do. So it, it, it can be difficult if you are looking to be like the rest of everybody <laughs> mm-hmm. else. But I'm, you know, I never was looking to be like them. I was working as unto the Lord, doing the best that I could, but inside of who I am as his child. Yeah. 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 Now I'm, I'm completely the opposite of you. My entire career has mm-hmm. been inside the church. Uh, I've never, uh, as yeah. a 22 year old plus worked somewhere else yeah. uh, other than in a church or ministry. And so uh, I always get to talk about my faith, and so I don't fully understand that. I certainly uh, are, am in other settings where it's not mm. encouraged. I'm in, um, you know, I certainly worked a construction company, some things like that, to get through school. Okay. So, so I did have some experiences, but but it's been a long time. But but a few things that, that jump out to me. It seems like like the first thing is exactly what you said. If your goal is to say something, um, you better live it first, mm. because as soon as you say something it changes a dynamic and, um, 
And so it's important what we live. In fact, I remember when I was in my, in my 20s, I did some work in some closed countries, mission work, and closed country meaning that it was illegal to talk mm -hmm. about Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. And, and I would ask people sometimes, you know, how, how do you live in this environment? And I remember one guy saying to me, you know, I just have to live my life in such a way that somebody has to ask me a question. Mm. And, I, and I always remembered that and just thought, mm -hmm. what a great approach. Rather than saying, I go in saying, how do, I, how do I proclaim something? But to say, how is my life so different that somebody says, why do you do that? What, yeah. Why are you different? Yeah. What, what drives you? And he said, when they ask me, then I can tell them. Yeah. But I'll get in trouble if I ever say something yeah. otherwise. And I always thought, that is such a good perspective. And probably, even in an open country, would be a great yeah. first step. Uh, the, the other thing that jumps at me is just the importance of of loving people. Mm. If, you, if your goal is to speak, but people just think that your goal is to speak mm -hmm. and they don't feel loved, mm. um, then nobody wants to hear what you have to say. Right. And so if you love people and, and have lived a distinct life, then when you do speak, people say, you know what, there's, yeah. there, there's something here I wanna hear. Yeah. And that is, it's, it's interesting. A couple of things uh, that you said just really resonated with me. And one is I've always been a global business person. So working with people from China, for example, um, we'd be involved with business. And I try to not really personalize a lot of things, but when it would come to Christmas, and people would ask, well, what are you doing? And I would say like, okay, I'm going to Christmas service. Well, what is that? What do you do? And that was an opportunity to really talk yeah. about my faith. So that was, um, you know, that was just so, so good. Um, and, and also it is um, interesting that I'm often in situations where people really want to talk about themselves. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I have probably to a fault sometimes is I'm much more a listener because people will say well you don't talk about yourself well I, I mean it's not about me <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I've you know just hearing what yeah. people have to say about what's going on with them and being able to some way respond to that that's all most yeah. people want they yeah. want to tell their story they yeah. don't necessarily want to hear your story so <laughs> one of the things I often say is that everybody has a favorite subject <laughs> and it's themselves right, and uh, and so if you want to connect yeah. with somebody ask them about themselves yeah. and you'll have a chance to connect yeah. uh, one other thought just occurred to me as, as we're talking about this and that is how significant it can be to say something that's small you mentioned just saying hey I'm going to a Christmas service and sometimes we underestimate the hey what are you doing this weekend mm -hmm. question and we say everything we're doing minus attending a worship service mm -hmm. and sometimes just to say something as simple as hey we're doing soccer we're I'm going golfing you know we're taking in this we're doing that and our, our family's going to go to worship service on Sunday okay. and and you don't have to say anything more and people just start to say huh that's different you, you, you're going to going to a worship you're going to church and and they just yeah. tuck it away but somewhere down the line it may open up another yeah. opportunity and and it's almost a first step that that just allows yeah. people to even say, okay, you you have a value to something here that that I'm not necessarily, um, you know, familiar right. with. So, yeah. um, here's another question. Uh, I know Christians are called to forgive. Uh, says I was hardened by the way my spouse uh, has treated me because we are in constant battles over our kids. I don't seem to be able to forgive. 
How can I actually do this? So this is somebody who's basically saying, I know I'm not forgiving. I know I probably should, um, but I'm just in a tough spot. Uh, what, what would you say to somebody who finds themselves in a relationship that's so acrimonious and ongoing that they don't feel like they can, can get any space to forgive? For me, it's always looking in the mirror because mm. if there's something going on between two people, that two people are at fault. It's not mm. just one person that has something to do with why it's not working. And for me, I always think about the scripture that says, you know, if you don't forgive someone, then God's not going to forgive you. So I always have that in mind. And I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned actually came from my mother. Mm. Um, there was a situation in our family, something happened, and um, I was mad. I was just not gonna forget this person for what they did to my mother. And my mother came to me, just like, why are you upset at that? It happened to me and I've already forgiven it. I'm done with this. And I was like, okay, she can forgive and it happened to her, why can't I? And it really made me think more and more about, okay, why am I holding all of this bitterness against somebody? Because God has forgiven me of all of the things mm -hmm. that I've done. So wh why can't I? Mm -hmm. So it helps you to say, God's forgiven me. Right. I need to do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is a hard issue because anybody mm -hmm. who's in a situation where they feel repeatedly mm -hmm. um, hurt, misunderstood, misrepresented, um, fought against. It's almost like it's picking a scab over and over. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, when you say, you know, we're, we're constantly battling over our kids, mm -hmm. what happens there is it's like the scab starts to heal and then it's picked again and you can't, you can't just say, well, this happened 20 years ago or two years ago. Yeah. I can forgive it and move on because every time it happens, it's like it's a fresh scab. Right. And it would seem to, to me that, that the, the, the way that you move forward is some of what you're already doing here by saying, I get that I'm called to forgive, I can look at Christ, but I also need to see what the lack of forgiveness is doing to me. Because mm -hmm. usually what happens when we don't forgive is it actually makes us bitter. And then what happens is we end up letting the person who hurt us continue to hurt us because our mm -hmm. bitterness then continues to drive our actions, our way of thinking, our way of, of, of interacting with them. and. And for me, it would be helpful just to say, I, I don't want to let this person's actions continue to cause issues in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, therefore, I have to find a way to forgive, if not for them, for me. Yes, I'd like to forgive for the noble reason of God calls me to and it's right and it's good and they deserve it because I don't, didn't deserve what I got, so I want to pass. I mean, that's, that's right. But sometimes I need to get more base level and just say, I don't want to let what they are doing continue to cause me other issues. And if mm. I don't forgive, then this is what will happen. And I think the way, you know, what forgiveness really is, uh, we use this word in it, we turn it into this big emotional word. Like I have to somehow get over something. Mm. Um, and, and while there's truth to that, I think it's helpful to back it up and say, what does it really mean to forgive? And what it means is it says, I'm no longer going to demand that you pay. Um, and, and what happens when we don't forgive is we keep demanding somebody pays. And the reason I like that definition is it helps me to say, I don't have to feel good about the person. 
Um, that's, that's nice if I can. Mm -hmm. What I have to do is say, I'm not going to keep making them pay for the wrong they've done. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes we make them pay by continuing to fight in court. And I'm not saying you give up a court fight. Obviously, you need your rights and stuff. But, but what we do is whether it's uh, statements we make to others, whether it's our cold shoulder, whatever it is, it's like, I'm going to keep making you pay. And to really forgive means I'm done making you pay. I'm going to fight for what's rightly mine with the kids, stuff like that, but I'm done making you pay. And, and when you do that, then what you, you do is you say, okay, now I'm releasing this because, mm -hmm. because I'm not demanding that you're yeah. still going to pay for what you've done to me. Yeah. And as long as we keep demanding payment, yeah. then we're in that cycle. And, yeah. and I like that because it helps me just say, okay, that's what I really yeah. need to do is say, I'm not going to make them pay anymore. Mm -hmm. And once I've done that, and I may have to keep doing it because they may keep uh, hurting me, they may keep yeah. picking the scab. Now I can, I, can, I can start to say, okay, this isn't going to yeah. keep having a negative impact on me. And I think when you have kids, you have to um, look at what that's doing to your kids, what mm. your kids see when mm. they see this unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another thing that's for people with children, what examples are they seeing of that? So yes. being able to um, be an example for your children is really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joanne, thank you for making the time today to be part of this conversation. Thank you for joining us today on Ask a Pastor. If you have questions, you can send them to askapastor at orchardhillchurch.com. We will be sure to address that question in an, uh, in an upcoming uh, time of conversation on Ask a Pastor. <laughs>